We have a wild ride today. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. It is 510, almost on the nose. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. I had a bizarre night last night. Within 30 minutes of having gotten off the air, my, my night took a turn for the unusual. It is making international headlines. Believe it or not, yes, your Atlanta host here in Washington is making international headlines today. Over the bizarre turn of the night, congressmen in cars getting groceries. I guess we need to put that on Netflix or something. Um, we will get to that. That is not, though, the big news. The big news is Paul Ryan deciding to retire. Uh, he's not resigning, contrary to some news reports. He's retiring. He's just he's not going to run for office. And, it, and it's kind of interesting. So I did last night had this. I mean, it was surreal. A congressman, I'm not friends with this particular congressman. We, we are acquainted. We have a cordial relationship. Uh, and he asked if I would go grocery shopping with him last night. He didn't want to be seen on the hill with me. So we went to a, a Safeway grocery store. He needed to get some stuff to come in town for the Facebook hearings and whatnot today. And one of the things he was talking about was that Kevin McCarthy is is circling like, well, putting it politely, a, a green fly circling poop trying to get Paul Ryan's job, a big indication that Paul Ryan was done. And I presumed that to be he was going to run, get reelected, and then he would step aside uh, so there would be a special election, but ensure that the seat made it through this blue wave that's coming. And no, he's just he's not going to run again. So it's an open seat race in Wisconsin. I am told that the special election in Wisconsin, remember there was one about two weeks ago. Maybe it was a week ago. I can't remember. Anyway, there was a special election in Wisconsin, a conservative judge versus a liberal judge. The liberal judge won, but the conservative judge won Paul Ryan's congressional district. And that was the final indicator he needed that he could leave Congress at the end of this term and the seat would not fall into Democratic hands. But he does not want to stick around. Uh, and there is some bad reporting. Um, there is some bad I don't know. It, it just, it, you know, reporters have a herd mentality. And in the herd mentality, they, um, well, they report a bunch of stuff that they take as conventional wisdom that isn't necessarily true. And one of the things that you're hearing a lot today is that uh, this is a clear indication of the Democratic wave coming. And Paul Ryan wants to be done. He doesn't want to be back in the minority after being Speaker of the House. And on and on and on. And that's actually, I think, wrong. So, uh, listen, I, I don't know him well, but I know Paul Ryan. Uh, we have had a number of conversations, uh, off-the-record conversations, friendly conversations. When Paul Ryan and I get together, we rarely talk about politics because we don't actually agree on a ton of political things other than entitlement reform. Uh, I always push him to be more conservative. And, I mean, he's playing the cards. He feels like he was dealt with uh, a Republican uh, caucus in disarray. But he's a very deeply nice guy, probably too nice for politics, actually. Paul Ryan would much prefer to be buried in a white paper doing wonky things, developing budgets and entitlement reform. Entitlement reform is the thing he's been pushing for years, and it needs to happen. And he thought he had a consensus 
among Republicans to push entitlement reform. He was able to get them to vote for entitlement reform, even though Barack Obama vetoed it, and they realized that they weren't all going to get wiped out. And so it encouraged them, but it never went anywhere under President Trump. So he wants to be done not because the Democrats are coming, but because he's realized that uh, the thing that he has wanted to do, that is to reform entitlements in this country, isn't going to happen. It's off the table. It is the final thing he wanted to do. It's not going to happen. I think he also realizes to some degree he got in the weeds on tax reform. He got set on a very specific way to do tax reform. He couldn't bring others along with it, so they went with a Senate plan that he didn't think was as good. It became a free-for-all, and otherwise there's nothing left for him to accomplish in Washington. I am convinced from talking to him many times in private that he would be leaving whether or not the Republicans uh, were going to stay or not. I mean, the, the writing has been on the wall and the conversations have been circulating for a couple of years that he was unhappy. And I think that unhappiness has grown. I think to some degree as well that he is really upset that he he feels to some degree thrown under the bus by his colleagues. Um, and this is not from talking to him, but from talking to other people, that he really tried to do a tax package and then a spending package that was in the direction of reduced government and he couldn't herd the cats in the house because he couldn't herd the cats in the house he was left dealing with mitch mcconnell structuring a plan that was a massive boondoggle that even now the president regrets and is trying to walk back ryan for all of his faults has really been one of the people who's been uh, beating the drum for years on reducing the size and scope of the federal government and reforming entitlement so that the country doesn't go bankrupt. And in the last two years, he has really seen all of that slip away from him. He has seen uh, a no will among Republican colleagues in the House. He's seen the Senate uh, stab him in the back several times. He's seen McConnell, who's the guy who should be run out of town, uh, McConnell take the lead on these things and, and lead the country closer to a bankruptcy that he has spent his entire life in politics writing white papers on and, and uh, wonky policies to try to avoid. And it's all coming to fruition and it's being done with him in the chair of the Speaker of the House. And I got to tell you, I think it is a pretty um, strong indictment on the lack of uh, on the power of the Speaker that he, with all these commitments as Speaker of the House and a Republican uh, Congress that seems generally inclined to leave him there, that he couldn't get any of these things done. He did not have the power to do them, even though he's the Speaker of the House. Uh, He should be a more powerful figure, and he's not. I mean, Speakers of the House tend to stay. John Boehner being ousted after the Denny Hastert situation and everything else, and, and, and then Paul Ryan coming in, it's actually relatively unusual in American politics to have a high turnover in the Speaker's chair. Now, part of that is because it's relatively unusual for one party to, to wobble back and forth. But when parties hold Congress, it is unusual to have this high turnover. And yet they're having it uh, with Paul Ryan after John Boehner. And I think he's just done. He does have small kids. And there's something else here. 
on a personal note about Paul Ryan, and I've put up if you if you want to listen to it, it's a really a good interview. I didn't a not everything's political podcast interview with him. You can um, you can text the word show to four 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 nine nine nine. I'll send you back a link, and you can listen to my interview with Paul Ryan. There, we don't talk politics at all. And one of the things we talk about in that interview and that he's talked about publicly before is he's now older than his dad was when his dad died. His grandfather and his father both died at very young ages of heart attacks. Uh, Paul Ryan and his family, they, they have a terrible history of heart attacks in his family. And he's now older than his dad was when his dad died, and he has young boys. And I think he's kind of realizing that he needs to he, he needs to spend time with his family. I, I take him at his word when he wants to spend time with his kids because he's now at an age to spend time with them that he never got to experience with his own dad. And I think that does matter and has weighed on his thinking. Um, not reported well elsewhere, but I think there actually is something to that. We'll be back. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip, because I saw their ads on Instagram and thought, eh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush I have ever had has sucked. Um, either the head was too big or it had a charger and I hate traveling with extra chargers. I got a Mac, so I got dongles for everything and I want a charger for a toothbrush as well. And Quip doesn't use a charger and the battery, I've been using this one now uh, three, four months, and the battery still works. And when it stops working, I just replace the battery. That's it. I can buy them at the grocery store. I like Quip. New electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. That is very true. And here's the cool thing. They have a subscription plan. Refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping, worldwide now side topic here if i sound like i'm essing hissing i'm wearing invisalign braces my i dental issues when i was a kid had a quack dentist uh pulled teeth he shouldn't have and it is over time caused problems i've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back and turns out they were so i had to wear these braces and the reason i'm wearing these braces is because although the s's hiss a little more I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if, if I was right. And sure enough, my Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive, $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, so Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene. And replacing your brush heads every three months is dentist recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan Last on the on the Substandard podcast say he's a, a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp, the bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, you, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone. You get great dental hygiene 
I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25 and if you go to getquip.com, getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. It is 525 on the nose. I'm Eric Erickson. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Michael and Dunwoody, you're up first tonight. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I listen to your show frequently. You cleared up my, my problem right before you went to break when you talked about Ryan wanting to be a better father and being a family guy, because that's what he said. Uh, my initial question was, why are we talking about all the politics and what he did accomplish or didn't accomplish when he really said today, I want to be, I don't want to be a weekend dad. And there's something to that. Yeah, I think there is. The problem is that when most congressmen say they want to spend more time with their family, it's because they have a coming indictment or news out that they've been having an affair or something. And I, I, that's not the case with Paul Ryan. And I do think it hasn't been covered enough. Um, there, I think there are very few reporters who have actually paid attention to this, that his dad and grandfather both died in their 40s. And he's right. now older than both uh, of them. And, and did, yeah, I, I, I definitely re- think I he wants... Him say, I do recall him saying that. Uh, even before he took on the job, um, yeah, I think yeah, I think I I think you're right about that. That he did mention that, um, and it, it for the longest time it really drove his ambition that he felt he had a bunch he needed to accomplish um, before uh, he before he reached their age, and now he's past their age, and I think he's realizing that there are things he's not going to be able to accomplish. So I mean, why put up with all of that? Uh, and the heartache and the misery and the blame and, and everything else. I, I mean, I, I don't blame him. I, I don't know that I would want to do it. Well, there's more to life than politics. Hate to say it. Yeah, there absolutely is. And, and honestly, if you're Paul Ryan, you've been in, in government or think tanks all your life. Um, he's, he's under 50. He's got kids. He's got a wife. They're in Wisconsin. Go earn some money in the private sector. Absolutely. Thank you I mean, for clearing all that up. I yeah, appreciate absolutely, your... Michael. Thanks very Always much for it... calling in. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is John Boehner. I mean, compare and contrast Boehner today uh, joining some sort of uh, marijuana lobbying group to legalize marijuana. His views have changed. Uh, I bet there was some change involved. Uh, I bet there was. Uh, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB-TALK. Those are the numbers. Now, look, we do have to get into this conversation. Congressmen in cars buying groceries. It was a surreal moment last night that I went out and went grocery shopping with a member of Congress he did not want to be seen with me on Capitol Hill. So he came over towards my hotel. He needed to pick up some stuff anyway. There's a grocery store nearby. So we roamed the aisles of a grocery store, and he vented about the president. And what's so ironic about it is that he's been on television a number of times defending the president. And really has come to despise the president. 
he he doesn't like the president at all and said he would vote for impeachment at this point. And, and his rationale is the rationale that got us Donald Trump. And that is, if we're going to go down, let's just go on and take him down with us. Um, the, a lot of mendacity. And I mean, he knows I'm characterizing it that way. We talked about it. I'll tell you what he said when we come back. It is 538, as Chris Chandler said, and the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Jamie Dupree just walked through the door and said to tell you guys hello. Uh, he's been on the hill. Um, and so I, I want to just, if you're on the phone, be patient with me for just a minute. I, I want to talk about what happened last night, because uh, it, it literally has made, like, international news. And I, I mean, I knew it would get buzz in Washington, but... Uh, now I'm going to be on CNN uh, with Aaron Burnett here in about uh, at, at 7.30 to talk about this. So a congressman, he is not a friend. He is an acquaintance. We've known each other for a long time. We, we have a cordial working relationship. And he has been on TV to defend the president. And he is really angry with the president. Um. And, you know, so he called and he didn't want to be seen on Capitol Hill with me. And the reason is because, well, he knew if he was seen on Capitol Hill, he was going to let me write about his insulting the president as long as I didn't have a name attached. And he was very blunt. I mean, it was a serious tirade about the president as we roamed the aisles of a Safeway grocery store. That's where he met me. There was a grocery store near my hotel. He needed some groceries anyway. So we walked the aisles of the grocery store. And I have heard, and I think the reason that this story has, has captured Imagination Washington today is because there is a very real phenomenon uh, that everyone experiences in Washington on, on TV sets, is you get Republican congressmen who are in green rooms and they're lamenting the things the president are doing, and then they get on TV and they defend the very things they've been lamenting, and this guy fesses up to it. And I actually pointed out to him that this is kind of the problem with Washington, is you got these guys who are going on TV saying all these grand and glorious things about the president, and they really hate him. And it's very two-faced. And, and he agreed, but he said everybody does that up here, and it was his turn to vent. Um, he, he, one, of, one of the quotes I will give you is he, he said that he thinks that the country is being run by Forrest Gump, but an evil, blankety-blank, stupid Forrest Gump. Um, he, he thinks the president gets on Twitter in the morning and poops on Twitter and then poops on Republicans in Congress and then poops on his staff and then um, does other terrible things, and he's just he's not a fan. And so the, the basic point of the conversation was that he thinks that there are votes in Congress to impeach the president if he fires Mueller. Um, that he needs to focus on other things. He needs to stop worrying about Mueller. He needs to move on to other things. He needs to govern in different ways. He's one of those who's decided the president needs to stay off Twitter. Um, and he's very angry, and he's reflective of a lot of Republican congressmen, including some of the ones you have in Georgia who get on television and say nice things about the president and how the president's doing a great job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And behind the scenes, they're deeply disparaging of the president. 
And I think that is indicative of the culture we have in Washington, D.C., and it is problematic, and we did talk about that a little bit. And he, he concedes the point, but thinks everybody does it, that when you have a bunch of Republicans in Washington who say nice things in public and bad things in private, there is no trust. There is a lot of mendacity going on. No one really knows where anyone stands on positions, and, and nothing's getting done. He also laments the president's failure to lead, and he takes the spending bill as an example, and he voted for the spending bill, you should know. And he thinks that the president's failure to lead uh, is what caused the massive ballooning of, of the bill, and he's really angry now at the president for trying to walk it all back and, and say it's just it's, – it's problematic, but it's also indicative of what's happening. Now, his point on impeachment – the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee would be the ones to decide on impeachment. And in deciding on impeachment, they would be hard-pressed to vote to impeach the president during the primary season because many of them would lose in the primary season if they voted to impeach the president. But there is a growing sense on Capitol Hill that the blue wave is coming and that is going to be devastating to the Republicans. And his thinking was that if it's going to be devastating to the Republicans, then you might as well go on and vote to impeach him. And in his words, if we're going down, we might as well take him down with us. That if they get to that point. Now, this is all premised. You should know this is all premised on firing Robert Mueller. There are lots of ifs in the conversation. But the initial if is if the president fires Robert Mueller. If the president doesn't fire him, nothing's going to happen. And the bigger issue is that the Republicans are looking at themselves and they're in survival mode. And they're in anger mode at the president. This guy thinks they're going to wipe out the House, that they're going to wipe out the Senate, that they're going to wipe out the states. And as a result, um, they're, they're done for unless they do something bold. And the time has largely passed for them to do anything bold. And so they might as well get rid of the president, take him down. They blame him for losing their job, so let's let him lose his job. And he's a, a, a Pence supporter. They've, they've had a relationship in the House of Representatives for years before Pence was even governor. So let Pence take over. He would be competent. Uh, all of this, though, again, is if Mueller is, in, is fired. If Mueller is fired... Then the Republicans, if the primaries are over, would probably have the votes on the Judiciary Committee to impeach him for obstruction of justice. There are lots of ifs in the statement. The real takeaway from this is not that there are votes to impeach the president, because right now, as it stands, there are not, and he concedes it. The real issue is that there are a lot of Republicans in Washington who really are two-faced, who say great things about the president in public, who play to the base. I mean, like this guy told me, he can't say any of this stuff in public or he'd be run out of town. And that's why he's, he's letting me vent for him. And I mean, I'm perfectly happy to share his conversations with you, to share the thinking, because it's not just him. It's a lot of them. If not the majority of the Republicans, they fundamentally were never for the president. They never thought he would win, and he did, and they don't like him. But they know that they're scared of the base, and they got to say nice things in public, and that's part of the dysfunction in Washington. There are congressmen in Washington who really do like the president, who are true believers, who will stand with the president, and they will not waver. They will not vote for impeachment ever. But I think the majority of the Republicans in Congress really never liked him to begin with. And now they look like their jobs are in jeopardy. 
So they are perfectly happy to take him out with them if the opportunity were arise. But the thing that would have to happen is for Mueller to be fired. And I don't actually think the president's going to fire Robert Mueller. I just don't believe it. And I also would say this. I really think the Republicans are their own problem. The, the president's not really the reason the Republicans aren't liked in Washington. The Republicans are the reason Republicans aren't liked. They never keep their promises. They break their promises to the base. They say they're for big for smaller government and they're bankrupting us. So why not stop voting for them? I mean, they're breaking all their promises to you and that has nothing to do with the president. We'll be back. Man, I missed the news about the Padres-Rockies game. If y'all haven't heard it, the, they had a bench-clearing, multiple-punches-thrown fight uh, at, at the pitcher's mound, it seems. Wow. Uh, <laughs> looking at the video in break. And you know what's sad about this? You know, it's, it, it's not sad. I mean, I guess it is that a, a fist fight broke out among the players of the Padres and the, and the Rockies. It's that... When you turn on the new morning show on ESPN in the morning, they're going to examine this from the the feminist perspective and, and the uh, transgender perspective and, and how this affected intersectionalism and all of that. They're, they're not actually going to just cover the fight. they got to cover the political angles and, and the all the other socioeconomic angles of the fight. And what a what a terrible, terrible program. And the ratings speak for itself. My goodness. Okay. We're moving on to other things when we come back because Mark Zuckerberg, God bless him, he's still at Capitol Hill testifying about this situation in on Facebook in Washington. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We need to return our attention to Facebook now. Uh, We'll move on from presidential politics. For now, we will return to it. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence has chaired a meeting of the National Security Council to discuss options in Syria. You should also know that a recently released satellite photo taken earlier today shows that all Russian ships have evacuated the Syrian port at uh, Tarsus. So, yeah, that's happening. Um But I want to spend a little more time on Facebook. Uh, And there's also the diamond and silk situation. And y'all, I'm sorry, but my um, BS detector went off on this story. Because here's my thinking on this. And I think I'm right. Um, In the middle of Facebook being attacked by all sides... Um, Mark Zuckerberg being called to Congress and the like, um, that it just didn't seem like it would be a smart business decision to attack uh, a conservative website that has the attention of the president. And I have asked people if they could show me the actual letters from Facebook and no one actually has the actual, like, the full correspondence. And, and that set off 
alarm bells. And I have I've reached out to to all sides, and I can tell you um, that the Facebook guys have told me they screwed up, that they did not target Diamond and Silk, contrary to reports. Um, but what happened is they decided to change their monetization policy across the board on various pages. And they emailed all of the people, and they didn't know whether or not they heard back from Diamond and Silk. They just sent an email saying, we're changing our policies. And the contact information was apparently wrong, and so there was a miscommunication there. So they reached out with individuals uh, to clarify and rectify the situation, uh, and, but that they never actually heard from them, Diamond and Silk, until a week or so ago. The policy actually went into effect several months ago, and that they're working with them to explain the change in policy and, and how it, it impacts them. It was not targeting them in any way, shape, or form, uh, particularly not maliciously. That, that's their side of the story. Uh, and it just it you know more and more it, it seems so much is is if it's too good to be true you do need to be a little skeptical. But there is another angle here that I think we need to focus on, and that is liberals who are online. Margaret Sullivan at the Washington Post, for example, has a column out lamenting the fact that it is very clear the, the senators have no idea how Facebook works. It is very clear that the House has no idea how Facebook works. It is very clear they are completely out of their depth. And should we trust the Congress to write regulations to regulate Facebook when none of these people actually have any understanding of how Facebook works? And I'm reading this column and I'm nodding my head and I'm nodding my head. Yes, I've made this point. Yes, I've made this point. Yes, this is right. And I ended this column and said, yes, now do guns. Because the Democrats sure have a whole bunch of public policy prescriptions for guns, and they don't even understand what a gun is or how it works or what you do with it or how you buy it or anything else. Um, the logic of one applies to the other. I, it just A lot of what we're seeing is, is grandstanding. Now, I do think that the most substantive questions came from Ted Cruz yesterday in the Senate, and, and I don't know that the House guys have made a lot of news. You know the most depressing thing about the Facebook situation? Is seeing members of Congress essentially begging Mark Zuckerberg for stuff. You had, you had um, Shelley Moore Caputo from West Virginia yesterday essentially begging Facebook to invest in West Virginia. And you're seeing Democrats do this as well. They, they want Facebook's attention. They want Facebook's time. They want help from Facebook. They're not really interested in anything else. When confronted with billionaires, many congressmen, well, they're starstruck. They're, this is why people recruit guys like George Clooney to go testify before Congress for things. Um, because they know congressmen and senators are starstruck. They want their pictures with these people. Um, Clooney has used this to his advantage. Watch the, watch the David Letterman interview with George Clooney. And it's very clear Clooney's aware of his fame and that he could use it to draw attention to Syria or, or to Sudan. And he took advantage of it because he knows he can go to Congress and testify and people are going to pay attention. Angelina Jolie has talked about this as well. And it's the same thing with Mark Zuckerberg. He's a billionaire. I mean, that's aspirational for a number of members of Congress. And none of them know what to do to regulate. And, and this is part of the problem. If Congress were to regulate Facebook, Ben Sass made this point yesterday. 
if Congress were to regulate Facebook, what they would be doing is saying Facebook is the de facto social media website because any regulations that they make would be designed around the way Facebook works. So if a competitor were to come along to take on Facebook, it would have to comply with regulations that were designed for the way Facebook worked. So they would then have to conform in ways to the way Facebook worked, which would then allow Facebook to use its arsenal of patents to shut down the competitor, making sure that Facebook essentially is a monopoly. This is one reason why Facebook is okay with the idea of regulations at this point, because it knows any regulations would be to its advantage long term now that it's got 2 billion people worldwide using it. Let the free market work. And the fact that Congress doesn't want to let the free market work says a lot more about Congress than it does Facebook. And you know, that, that goes full circle to the Safeway grocery store last night and a Republican member of Congress who goes on television and praises the president on television and blasts him with all sorts of obscenities and exp expletives behind the scenes. The Republicans are to blame for the Republicans' problems. And the media can spin it and say Donald Trump is deeply unpopular, and the president is unpopular. I mean, y'all are all quoting the Rasmussen poll that he's at 50%. The, the polling average has him at 41-42%, which is generally a more accurate reflection of what's going on. The president is unpopular, but he's not to blame for the Republican unpopularity because the Republicans were unpopular before him. And they will be unpopular long after him unless they change their ways. You have a bunch of people who say they believe in the free market, that they love babies, and they want smaller government. They want to regulate Facebook. They just passed a massive spending bill that's going to grow the debt and deficit in government. And they're still funding Planned Parenthood. With Republicans like this, why not have the Democrats take over? The Republican Party base has no incentive to go support Republicans other than to help Donald Trump, other than to save the Supreme Court, other than to stop gun regulations. And that'll be enough for some, but it's not going to be enough for everyone. The Republicans haven't built enough of a coalition to help themselves. And blaming Facebook and, and making Facebook the bad guy. Facebook, again, I, I said this yesterday, Facebook hasn't done anything illegal or wrong. They use your oversharing of information. You're the ones who got on the Facebook platform. You're the ones who didn't pay them to use it. You're the one who overshared, and all they did was figure out a way to monetize it. It's what all businesses do. But Congress, of course, has to have a bad guy, and it can't be Congress. So it's got to be the billionaire who is self-made and answered all their questions that their staffers wrote because they don't know anything about Facebook. Most of them don't even use it. It's just this is the way American politics works these days, and it seems to be profoundly broken, which is why you're having a record number of congressional retirements, among other things. Eric Erickson here on WSB. We'll be back. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip. Because I saw their ads on Instagram and thought, eh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush I have ever had has sucked. Um, either the head was too big or it had a charger and I hate traveling with extra chargers. I got a Mac, so I got dongles for everything. I don't want a charger for a toothbrush as well. And Quip doesn't use a charger. And the battery, I've been using this one now uh, three, four months and the battery still works. 
And when it stops working, I just replace the battery. That's it. I can buy them at the grocery store. I like Quip. New electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. That is very true. And here's the cool thing. They have a subscription plan. Refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Now, side topic here. If I sound like I'm essing, hissing, I'm wearing Invisalign braces. My I, dental issues when I was a kid had a quack dentist uh, pulled teeth he shouldn't have, and it has over time caused problems. I've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back, and turns out they were. So I had to wear these braces, and the reason I'm wearing these braces is because although the S's hiss a little more, I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they had put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if, if I was right. And sure enough, my Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, so Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene. And replacing your brush heads every three months is dentist recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan last on the on the Substandard podcast say he's a, a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp, the bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, you, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone, you get great dental hygiene. I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquit.com, getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash E-R-I-C-K. It is 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I want to go back to a news headline from the other day that didn't get a lot of attention. Um, and I want to read you the tweet. Let me give credit. It's the economics correspondent for the Wall Street Journal, Nick uh, Timoreos. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, this is his tweet. A Congressional Budget Office says the U.S. will spend more on interest payments on the public debt than it does on the military beginning in 2023. Debt service expenses are projected to outpace all non-defense discretionary spending by 2025. This, this is a Republican failure. I mean, fundamentally, a Republican failure. This is why the president is starting to have heartburn about the spending bill and wants to walk some of it back. And interestingly enough, there are Republicans in the Senate who are opposed to walking any of it back. We are headed towards fiscal insolvency as a nation or a, a very inflationary event as they try to print money to, to pay things off. It's not going to end well for us. I do not think that there is a coincidence 
between the Chinese and the Russians saber-rattling and treating us like we're weak at a time of our near-fiscal insolvency. When Eisenhower, when Reagan, when they decided they needed to take on the communists, they could do it from a, a position of financial strength. And Reagan very explicitly knew that he could drive the Soviets to bankruptcy through his plans. And he did. The, the Soviets essentially went bankrupt, put them out of business. And that's what they're doing to us. And we are their best weapon against us through fiscal recklessness. And, it, you know, I just one of the things that I think we as a nation have to do is to rehabilitate families. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you are not dependent on government, but dependent on your families, well, government will shrink automatically as, as the social safety net shrinks. And stable families are actually a key to a fiscally sound society. I've been spending a lot of time actually in D.C. this week for my CRTV show talking with people about this idea. And I, I think that we got to take this in and, and deal with it. It's 39 after the hour. Let's take a, a world history tour, shall we? Back to the turn of the 20th century. So there were three groups of relevance. Well, I, actually, you know, I, I should say first we should go with the, the central powers and uh, the Triple Entente. The Triple Entente of 1907 was an agreement between the French Republic, the British Empire, and the Russian Empire that they would have each other's back. And there were, along with them, a group called the Central Powers, and they were Germany, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the Ottoman Empire, and Bulgaria, the Quadruple Alliance, originally. And essentially, these groups had an agreement that if something happened to one, it happened to them all, and they would have each other's back. And Archduke Franz Ferdinand headed off to Sarajevo in Bosnia and was assassinated. And it was the pretext for starting World War I. Uh, his, the Austro-Hungarian Empire declared war on Serbia. So the Central Powers... Germany and Austria-Hungary, the Ottoman Empire, um, they all went to war against Serbia and its allies, and, well, Serbia's allies were Russia and France and Great Britain, and they all thought it would be a, a, a small skirmish. They would trade a few territories on the map, and they would call it a day after a couple of weeks. And it lasted from 1914 to 1918, millions of of Europeans died. There are whole towns in Great Britain that lost all the men and boys above the age of 15. Some of them lost all the men. It is still a major point in the history of Europe that it's, it's in fact, it's remembered more, 
I would say, than World War II. I mean, in, in Great Britain, for example, their Remembrance Day celebrations all involve uh, World War I, which ended on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. And part of me is troubled by what's happening in Syria. And is Syria the new Sarajevo? Who's the Archduke Franz Ferdinand? We've got the situation where the Russians and Americans are shooting at each other in Syria. Now, China has sent the Chinese Navy to the Mediterranean. And you've got France and Great Britain and the United States on one side. You've got China, Russia. Uh, you got Syria. You, you got a bunch of bad people on the other side, and I think they're they're really trying for a fight. The president and the vice president have been meeting with the National Security Council today to try to figure out what we should do. The president wanted to get out of Syria until this chemical weapons attack, and now he's blasting Russia, telling Russia to get ready for our missile strike. We don't even know if there is going to be a missile strike. I assume there is. Syrian airspace was cleared yesterday. Allied forces encouraged uh, Western civilian aircraft to not fly within Syrian airspace. There were reports of uh, military jets uh, in the air in Iraq and in Jordan headed towards Syria to dodge Russian anti-aircraft reports. It just it seems to me that this thing continues to escalate to something that is not good. But at the same time, I also think that there has to be some level of response uh, if we're to show that we keep our word. Now, you may not like it. You may say we need to retreat. We need to be isolationist. Bad things tend to happen when the United States is isolationist. Bad things. I mean, World War One and World War Two really escalated because of the United States deciding to sit on the sidelines. But I, I don't know that we've got the fiscal solvency or the integrity as a country anymore in our defense operations to be able to sustain ourselves in something. I mean, the Defense Department is really a procurement operation. It's not a protect-the-country operation these days. Uh, the waste, fraud, ab abuse, the greed, the graft, the corruption, the lack of innovation, um, the, the expense for the smallest thing is really out of control. And I don't know that our nation is doing anything to shape it up, shake it up. And I don't know that we're going to do anything unless there is a crisis. And that crisis worries me and seems to be on the horizon. By the way, a completely separate topic. I'm, there's there's a new story developing at this hour. Uh, Eric Greiten, the um, governor of the state of Missouri, is under investigation, uh, criminal investigation as well, as well as a uh, state legislative investigation for what he may or may not have done to a woman who he claimed to have had an affair with her. She is saying that she was sexually assaulted by him. Uh, a 25-page report has been released from the House of Representatives in Missouri. It includes graphic, disturbing details of the encounter. It was back in, in 2015 uh, at the Greitens' home, according to the woman. I'm reading now, uh, Greiten held her down in a bear hug. Um, while she wept uncontrollably before forcing him, her to do things to him, to do a Lewinsky. And she feared for her life, she says in the report. Uh, the Missouri House, it's Republicans who have prepared this report. And it sounds more and more like he is probably headed towards impeachment. And it'll be an interesting juxtaposition with the left because there are growing calls from the left to impeach the president. And again, you know, I, I'm getting assailed today for reporting my conversation with the congressman in the Safeway. Uh, and 
All I did was tell you what he said. Uh, and I am firmly on record that I don't think the president should be impeached. There is no crime committed. And I do think that the high crimes and misdemeanor standard in the Constitution for impeachment means something. And as a result, I'm I am opposed to impeaching the president. And I think he should not fire Robert Mueller, because if he did, that would raise the issue of obstruction of justice and obstruction of justice. The Nixon precedent settles is considered a high crime or misdemeanor sufficient for impeachment. He needs to just let it go. And I'm seeing more and more people wonder openly, speculate openly, if there are people who want to get rid of the president who are encouraging him to fire Mueller because they know it would mean the end of his presidency. And I don't know that I buy into that, but it is a point to ponder. We'll be back. The New York Times is reporting that uh, part of the raid um, on Michael Cohen involved the Access Hollywood tape. And it just seems like the 2016 election is never, ever, ever going to end. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Bob in Cartersville, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. I hope you're having a great evening. I am. Hope you are, too. Well, here's my question. I, first off, I don't believe that there was collusion either. But, you know, the president says, I am not going to tell anyone where or when if I am going to launch. And then he tweets out to Russia and says, watch out, Russia, bombs are coming. I just want to get your take on it. You know, to me, it's almost like a silent warning of get your stuff out of the way because I am going to launch. Yeah, I I wish he hadn't have done it. I mean, everybody knows to expect it, but timing and everything else seems off. And, and I just, I, but you know, I've got to concede a point here. And that is that the media has been blowing up the president saying, oh, he's not tweeting about the serious situation. Why is he not condemning Russia? So then he tweets and he blasts Russia for the situation. And the media says, oh, the president, well, he's talking a tough game, but he's not doing anything. And so then he, he tweets out and says, missiles are coming. And the, the press corps is like, oh, I can't believe he's exacerbating the situation. I, I can't believe he's going to do I mean, it, it really is one of those those indications that on issues like this, the president can't win. Um, they want him to do something. You do damned if you don't. Yeah, exactly. They, they want him to do something. He does it. Then they criticize him for doing it. Bob, thanks for the phone call. It really is. And, you know, it's one of the things that the congressman and I walking the aisles of Safeway last night were talking about is the difficult position to be in to try to call balls and strikes right now and to say the president did this and it's good, president did this and it's bad. Um, you, you say the president did something good, you're going to get attacked overwhelmingly from people who hate him, but you're also going to get attacked from people who love him that, um, well, it, it's about time you got on board and then you, you criticize him for something and all the people who hate the president are going to attack you for having said something nice about him before and all the people who love him say, well, you just, you've got a chip on your shoulder. You're never getting over it. I mean, take the reaction of this this thing I wrote this morning at The Resurgent. By the way, if, if you want a copy of it, um, if you want to see it, go to theresurgent.com. Um, it, it, it has the amount of hate mail I'm getting from people who are presidential supporters 
that I'm I'm only doing this because I got a chip on the shoulder, I made it up, what have you. Um, I'm getting used to this. You cannot win. Um, and, and so it, it to some degree makes me sympathetic to what the president's going through with this, all the people moving the goalposts with him. Uh, you haven't said anything, Mr. President, so he says something. Well, you only said something. You didn't do anything, so he does something. Well, now you've made it worse. I wish you wouldn't have done anything. It's just you can't win for losing.